So a couple of years ago, I, uh, I, I messed up on Valentine's Day. Um, so I was getting ready to speak, kind of like I'm, I'm getting ready to speak today, uh, planning this whole message for the, the church in Casper for the, you know, the grown-up service, as we would call her, the big service or whatever it is, which I didn't do a lot, but I planned this message and everything, and it was Valentine's Day weekend, so I'm thinking, well, I, you know, obviously I'm going to have some sort of a love theme going on here, and with the series that the pastor was coming out of, it, it flowed perfectly with the series that he was in, and and we were going to look at what it means to truly love people. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at all these different pictures of cards that people give to people, or, you know, their, their significant others and everyone. And uh, you know, I've got all these funny pictures that we're going to watch in the service. And then it dawned on me on February 13th that uh, I hadn't thought of anything for my wife, for Sarah, like nothing here I am getting ready to talk the next day about Valentine's Day, and I've been doing these, you know, these studies on Valentine's Day, and for my own home, nothing. So I, uh, I decided to work with Paul, who was here a couple of weeks ago, the guy that helped us with our lights and everything. I decided to work with him to do a little something special for Sarah. And uh, by special for Sarah, I really mean she absolutely hated it, but it was a lot of fun to do, uh, to where I worked with him, and Paul had this spotlight that he shone right on Sarah, sitting in the middle of the sanctuary, while I went up to the piano, and I played her a love song, and just sang it to her in front of everybody. Fast forward two years, and it's February 13th yesterday, it's Valentine's Day today, and we're driving to Washington, and we're having a conversation about, you know, I, I got the girls their corsages that I get them every year, and they usually get to wear them to school, but not this year. Um, I don't know when they'll be back in school with the weather being the way it is. It is not my fault, by the way, that there is all this snow here. Yes, I moved from Wyoming. I wanted to leave that part behind, okay? It is not my fault. But anyway, uh, we're talking about that. And, uh, and Sarah, very in her very loving way that my wife has, and I mean that, I'm not being sarcastic, uh, she informed me that Valentine's Day is really not my thing. Like, I am great at anniversaries, I am great at birthdays, I am decent at Christmas, but Valentine's Day is just, and has been for a long, like two years ago wasn't the first time. Uh, she informed me yesterday that, you know, even like, you know, some turtles would be, not like the little animal turtles, but the little chocolates, like those would be great, you know, every now and then on a Valentine's Day. So this morning at 6.45, I was at the bakery in Washington, and I got her some turtles, and I got the girls some heart donuts and all these kinds of things. But if you guys will help me out, um, two years ago I did that, and, and it worked pretty well. So I need to up my game just a little bit, and I need your help to help me up my game on this one a little bit this morning. So... Uh, fellas who are sitting out here who are going, wait, today's Valentine's Day? <laughs> this is your opportunity to grab her hand, give it a little squeeze, hold it during this time. Maybe, you know, pull her out of the row and do a little slow dance out in the aisle. That, that would be okay if you want to do that. Um, it would actually make Sarah feel really good because it would take the attention off of her for the next several minutes. Um, but whatever you need, if you need to whisper sweet nothings into her ear during this time, that's, you know, perfectly fine. But, uh, my dear, this is for you. I found love oh, for me. Oh, I forgot it again. Sorry, I'm supposed to use this mic. 
Darling, just dive right in and follow my lead. Well, I found a girl. She's beautiful and sweet. I never knew you were the someone waiting for me. Because we were just kids when we fell in love, not knowing what it was. I will not give you up this time. Just for the record, there was actually a point where we broke up in college, and so that line actually means a little bit something there. I'll tell you that story in a little bit. But darling, just kiss me slow. Your heart is all I know. And in your eyes, you're holding mine. You are the love of my... Oh, I lost it. Oh, sorry, babe. I'm going to skip that song because I can't get it. I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. And I swear by the shadow that's by your side, I'll be there for better I love you with every beat of my heart, and I swear, now you're my whole life, now you're my whole world, and I just can't believe the way I feel about you, girl, like a river meets the sea. Stronger than it's ever been. We've come so far since that day, and I thought I loved you then. I wanna make you smile whenever you're sad, carry you around when your arthritis is bad. All I want to do is grow old with you. I'll get your medicine when your tummy aches. Build you a fire if the furnace breaks. Oh, it could be so nice growing old with you. you sometimes hold the remote control so let me do the dishes in our kitchen sink put you to bed when you've had too much coffee to drink and I, that doesn't even make sense but and I could be the man who grows old with you I want to grow old with you 
children, you may be dismissed. So there's this holiday created to celebrate love. And it's got all the bells and whistles, candy, cards, a day for chocolate and flowers, outdoing the year before if I can help it. <laughs> There's this mad rush to the store and a haste to find the gift to express my affection for the one I just can't live without. Until alas, I find the perfect sentiment <laughs> written by someone I don't even know. There's a different way to look at love, to share love, beyond words, beyond sentiment, beyond a single day, a whole new way to look at the word love. See, Jesus showed us another way, how to stoop down and lift up the broken, make sure the last in life are treated like the first, show the most favor to the least likely, Hang out with those that have nothing to offer me. Reach out and forgive, even when it's not asked for. Ask forgiveness, even when I don't think I need it. What a way to love, to give, not just from my pocket, but from my heart too. To love them beyond what they can produce. Like them for more than their talent. Hug them despite their social status. See, Jesus showed me the type of love that doesn't stick to a holiday that speaks beyond a card, that blossoms long after a flower dies. That's the kind of love I want, I need, that I'll give. The type of love that overflows from the most amazing grace. You know, as I, as I was looking for songs and I was just Googling the greatest love songs of all time and realized that half of them, I can't hit the notes anyway, so I scratched those because they're all sung by tenors who sing really, really high. Uh, as I was going through them, I realized, man, most of these love songs are like really just mushy, gushy stuff that a lot of them don't have a lot of substance. Have you ever realized that as you're, the guys are in the room going, uh-huh, and the ladies are going, what are you talking about? Those songs are the greatest songs. No, not all the ladies are that way. Um, and when I was in high school, there was a movie that came out uh, called Titanic. Anybody watch Titanic? You know, there's, this is a little bit younger of a crowd in here, so that several of you might have been in the high school age during that time. But Titanic was, until recently, I think, the highest grossing movie of all time. And I don't think it was because people were wanting to learn the history of the Titanic. I think it had a little bit to do with the love story. You know, that iconic moment in that movie that people have talked about for years where, where she's looking at him and it's Jack and it's, anybody remember her name? Rose, yes, I was going to say Amy and I knew that wasn't right. It's Jack and Rose and, and, you know, he's sitting in the, well, he's floating in the freezing cold water and she's on the door and she gives him that look of, I'll never let you go, Jack. And then like 30 seconds later in the movie, she's taking his head and she's like shoving it down in the water and pushing him underneath. And, you know, guys have made comments like, that's exactly how love goes. You all know what I'm talking about. And, and the ladies are, you know, they're all, man, did you see did you see the way he sacrificed himself for her? And really, though, as much as we've made fun of that moment for the almost 20 years, or maybe it is 20 years by now, since that movie came out, that scene 
captures a lot of what love is. Now, I'm gonna explain that a little bit better here in a little bit, but first, I wanna look at a conversation that Jesus had with one of his followers after this follower had at one point said, I will follow you anywhere. I will follow you to to my death if that's what it takes. I love you this much that I will never, ever abandon you. And then when push came to shove, that follower abandoned him. You know, we've talked about him for the last couple of weeks. Peter, actually, when the, when the opportunity was given and they said, hey, don't you know this guy who's being tried right now and is about to be put on a cross? Don't you know him? And Peter's like, never heard of the guy. Don't know him. Nope, don't associate me with him. And three times he abandons Jesus in his time of greatest need. Fast forward a little bit. Jesus has risen from the dead and he's on a seashore. We've talked about this, remember, past couple of weeks. Jesus is on this seashore and he says, hey guys, come in here, let's have some breakfast. And while he's having breakfast, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And it goes like this. Jesus looks at Peter, this is in John chapter 21 in verse 15, if you want to write it down, if you want to follow along in your Bibles or follow along on the screen, look it up later, whatever. After breakfast, verse 15, Jesus asks Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you what? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I, we're going to have to get a little bit more energetic on this one. Act like, you know, you're on that, that first time where you're finally going to say the words I love. I was going to say the first date, but hopefully you're not jumping straight to the I love you's on the first date. You're on that, you know, that first time where you're about to say those words, I love you. Well, maybe don't use the same kind of passion out of Peter's voice. That might be weird. Anyway, I got on this little side uh, ramp on that one. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you what? That was getting better. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three different times, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And three different times, Peter adamantly responds, yes, you know that I love you. But you see, it wasn't that long before this that Peter had looked at Jesus and said, I love you and I will follow you to the death. And then he didn't do it. And in this conversation, Jesus is, like we've talked about, Jesus is forgiving him. Jesus is also teaching him some things. One of those things that he's teaching him is that Peter, loving somebody goes way beyond words. Now, this isn't just romantic love that we're talking about this morning. This is loving people. Remember the the greatest commandment that we've talked about several times, that hopefully you've read about several times, that you've prayed about several times? Greatest commandment is to love God and love other people. And so he says, Peter, as you're loving me, as you're loving other people, it's got to go beyond your words. You've got to do something about it. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Then do something. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Then do something. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I do. And at this point, you can just see the emotional trauma that that Peter's starting to feel like he's going through because he's like, this hurt. It says Peter is hurt that Jesus has asked him this question a third time. 
But love is more than emotions. Love is doing something. And so Jesus says, then do something about it. I told you a little bit ago when I was singing the song that at one point in college, uh, when Sarah and I were dating, we broke up. We, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what led up to it, but I remember that I said some of the dumbest words that a man can say to a woman that he loves. You know, the breakup was bad enough, but in the midst of the breakup, I thought that it would be a good thing to be completely honest with her about my feelings. And, you know, this is why I don't try to be in touch with my feelings anymore. I thought that it would be a good thing to be honest with her, so I told her what other girl I was interested in. Sure did. Pretty dumb. She brings that. That's been like, let's see, we've been married 14 and a half years. We dated for three years. So we're, that's probably looking at like 16 and a half years ago. And she still brings that up every now and then. Uh, just to remind me, hey, you say dumb things. So, you know, keep doing stuff like this or I don't know. But I did. Now, to be fair, she did tell me a guy that she thought was attractive. But, I mean... I don't think it quite went as far as me saying I'd actually be interested in dating this other girl. And yeah, it, it was dumb. A day later, um, longest day of my life, longest night of my life, a day later we were back together. Um, and we've been together ever since. Thank God. I, I can't believe that it only took a day for her to forgive me for that. But what I couldn't do is just use words to show Sarah, hey, I know it's, really, it's just you, Sarah. Like you are the, you're the only one I love. I promise, you're the only one I'm interested in. Because remember, a day ago, I told her there was another girl that I was interested in. And it turns out when you're at a small school like Mid-America Christian University, you have classes with that person. And, and your girlfriend knows that you have classes with that person. And these aren't like large classes. And, and you walk past each other in the hall and, and your girlfriend's like three doors down from that girl in the dorm room. And I had to, not because Sarah is a vindictive person by any means, but I had to prove to her that, no, I really do love you. And you really are the only that I love with this kind of love. I had to prove that to her. And I still, not because she's holding that against me, but I still have to prove that to her, not just tell her. And with anyone that we love, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a parent, whether it's a child, whether it's a, a significant other, whether it's, you know, Joe on the street, just walking up to them and saying, hey, I love you, that's not, that's not going to convince somebody that you love them. Because we know deep down that love is so much more than words. And love is so much more than emotions. If it was just emotions, then all I would ever have to do is take Sarah to some romantic movie and, you know, give her the opportunity to, like, cry with a, a Kleenex and, and walk away, you know, hopefully more attracted to me than the hot guy that was in the movie. But, but you know, having these romantic, and that's all I would have to do because I could just, I could play on her emotions. But love is so much more than emotions. And Jesus tells Peter three times, if you love me and you follow my commands, this is the implied part, you follow my commands, then you will love others. And if you're gonna do that, it's gonna require doing something, not just saying something and not just feeling something. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story. You know, here he uses the analogy of sheep. And in Matthew 18, he uses the analogy of sheep again when he tells a story about a shepherd who has 100 sheep. 
And as the shepherd is out here and he's counting his sheep and, you know, trying not to fall asleep as he's counting his sheep, he, you know, he's getting up there and he's like 90, 91, 92, 98, 99. Oh, no. Where's number 100? Where's number 100? I've got 99 sheep here, but I'm, I'm missing one. And in this story, this shepherd gives up his safety and his comfort of being around these 99 other sheep, and he leaves the 99 of them because they're safe together. They're fine. He leaves them to go find the one because if he didn't, then it could be a matter of minutes before the one is torn to shreds by some wild animal or, or it walks off a cliff or it's taken by some other shepherd who just wants another sheep because he lost his. And so he goes out and he leaves where he's comfortable, and he finds that last sheep. Now, newsflash here, this story has absolutely nothing to do with sheep, which is good because, or maybe bad, because honestly, most of us would be off the hook if he was just talking about sheep, because we're not around sheep. I know that there are some people with cattle and pigs and dogs and cats and other animals. I think a while back I asked if anybody had sheep, and there might have been one hand go up, so maybe some of you have some sheep, but you're probably not out there like the shepherds were back then. And so, and so the story starts to lose a little bit of its flavor as we get all these years away and we don't tend sheep. We don't feed sheep. We don't have them. So what if we, what if we take what Jesus was actually saying here and we get rid of the word sheep and we put people into this one? What if we put children into this one? Feed my children. Take care of my children. If you lose a child... Or if one of my children is lost, go find him. Leave your safety behind. See, when Jesus, when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he doesn't say, Peter, hey, take care of your sheep. He says, Peter, take care of my sheep, my creation. Take care of my people. In all of my years in youth ministry, this only happened one time, I promise you. But this story came alive in a different way when this happened. Because in all my years in ministry, there was only one time that I left a child behind on a trip. I know other youth pastors who have done it multiple times. So I feel like I'm doing, Megan, have you left one? Okay. I think I'm doing pretty good that I only did it one time. And I got out of youth ministry so that I can't accidentally do it again. But for a youth pastor or a children's pastor or a parent to leave somewhere and, you know, I, I remember driving in the van, and I, all of a sudden, like, oh, I never did a head count. And I was probably pretty young as a youth pastor at the time. I've been doing it for 10 years or so by this point. So I turn around, and I, I just, oh, man, I didn't do a head count. So I start counting the kids, and I realize I'm missing one. And the panic that went through my brain in that moment. Now, Complete honesty with you, because I feel like transparency is a good thing. Part of my panic was, I'm about to get fired. You know, part of my panic was, it was for me. I'll be honest with you. But the greater part of my panic was that I just left a child behind at a restaurant gas station, or a gas station restaurant, whatever. They don't have a phone this is before every, I'm that old, this is before every student was walking around with a phone in their pocket and their parents knew that I did something wrong before I even knew I did something wrong. This is before those days and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this child is there 
you know, this child who is used to having someone watch over him, used to having someone take care of him, used to having someone make sure there's food on his plate, used to having someone drive him everywhere, definitely not used to having somebody leave him probably in the bathroom because he was having stomach issues at a restaurant and realize miles down the road that they forgot a student. I can't imagine how this child feels right now. And I can't imagine how his parents would feel right now, beyond the anger at me, the fear, knowing that their child was lost. Apparently, when I was young, I had a tendency to wander off in grocery stores every now and then. And so my mom tells me the stories of how it would sometimes feel when you couldn't find your children. You know, it would have been easy. She she had five kids. She had five boys. So it would have been real easy to be like, I've got four. I mean, 80% is not bad. You guys can lose one and still be at like 90%, right? So, you know, it, it could go about it that way, but obviously we don't. And Jesus is saying, that's how I feel about my people who are lost. And I need you to do something about it. I need you to take care of my people. I need you to feed my people. I need you to tend to my people. Because when my people are lost, when my children are lost, I feel that. And my heart is broken over it. So he tells Peter, you will love me by taking care of my people. In John chapter 13, he tells his followers that, that the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, if you take care of one another, if you look out for each other. In Acts, in the early church, it actually says that they sold everything they had so that nobody amongst them would be in need. Not so that nobody amongst them would have wants. It wasn't, you know, someone on this side of the sanctuary needs to sell everything they have so someone on this side of the sanctuary can get the brand new iPhone when it comes out. It wasn't that type of a thing, but it was a, they sold everything they had to take care of one another, to provide for one another's needs because the world would look at them and say, I'll know that you're following Jesus if you actually love each other. Meaning how we talk to each other and how we treat each other matters. Our words matter and our actions matter. You know, sadly, the the church has a reputation. And some of it's earned. And when I say the church, I don't just mean Monroe City Church of God. But the church has a reputation that some churches and some individuals and sometimes the church as a whole have definitely earned. And some of those reputations are that it's not actually the most caring and loving place to go. You know, if if you're in... If you already know people, if it's like going to your family reunion, then you sit there and you think, oh man, this is like the most loving place that you could ever be. I come, I go to church, and I just, I leave feeling so cared for. But the reputation is that if you're not already in, then you walk in and you, you don't feel that way. In fact, you walk in and you're like, no one even said anything to me when I went in there. The church is going, we're so caring and we're so loving. And the, the guest that we call them, 
are walking in and going, I'm not even sure they noticed I was there. That's not feeding the sheep. That's not taking care of his people. You know, the church has a reputation of it's all about me and my desires and my comforts when I come here and when I'm a part of this. I sit in my seat and we sing my songs or else I get upset. I've actually watched once at a Christmas Eve service where a new person who did not attend the church on a regular basis went and sat in a seat because it was open, so why not sit in it? And somebody who attended the church on a regular basis walked up to them, stood beside them, looked down at them and said, you're in my seat, you need to move. Because that's where that person was comfortable being. And you don't sit where I'm comfortable being. Now, right now, we're doing two services. And as as I look out here, some of you are sitting in the same seat that somebody at the 9 a.m. is sitting in. So when we do go back to one service, it's going to be really awkward if you all keep sitting in the same seats because it's your seat. And it's definitely not socially distanced if you decide to do that. It's going to be a real uncomfortable place up in here. You know, it's, as, a, as a shepherd, your comfort doesn't really mean much of anything. And so when he's saying, tend my sheep and feed my sheep, take care of my people, feed my people, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with your comfort and your desires. You know, read the stories of shepherds and how they went out and they fought wild animals to protect the sheep. They put their lives on the line to protect the sheep. Jesus told his followers in, uh, in John chapter 15, I think it was, he says that, that you are to love others as I have loved you. And Jesus gave his life for others. He gave up all of his comforts for other people. He didn't sit there and go, this is my box where I feel good. But Jesus was walking into the places that, that the religious people were saying, man, you shouldn't be there. You can't go there. That's against the rules. And the church has a reputation for that too. That people walk in, they say, I, I, I don't feel comfortable going to church because I feel judged when I walk in there because I've got a past. I don't have church clothes. You know, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to talk. I remember we did a, a baptism service at Highland, where it was one of the baptism services that we did where you didn't have to sign up ahead of time. It was just a, if you are here this morning and you, you, know, you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on you and he's telling you it's time to get baptized, it's time to that step, then come on up here. We've got a shirt that you can change into and we're gonna do this thing. And so people did and a, a lot of people came up. And one guy in particular, I will probably, I can't say for sure, but I'll probably never forget This guy goes in there, and and he was a rough character. He had a rough past. He was still a pretty rough character. And he goes in. He gets baptized. He comes out of the water, and he lets out that woo real loud when he's coming out of the water. And that part's awesome. People are celebrating. It's so cool. And he comes out of the baptistry. And and the way that our baptistry was, you actually, you walked behind stage when you came out of the baptistry. And so he walks back there, and there's a bunch of us standing back there because we're getting ready to baptize more people, and all the pastors are back here. And very loudly, probably loudly enough that everybody out in the sanctuary heard him, he looks at, you know, he gives a big old bear hug to one person, and then he looks at the rest of them and he goes, 
oh man, this is effing awesome. And he just yell, and he didn't say effing. He said the actual word, and he just yells it out. And there were some people who were sitting there like, <gasps> and most of us, I remember the, the, the lead pastor looked at him and he goes, man, it sure is. And he just yelled it right back at him because it didn't matter in that moment that he didn't understand the church words to use. In that moment, he had decided, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to give him my life, and I want everybody to know it. Now, I don't know, two years ago, maybe he still thinks it's effing awesome, and he's walking around and he's saying that. I don't know. But how awesome would it be if, if people felt like they could walk in here and they didn't have to know how to dress and know how to talk and know how to behave. And they felt loved because we were here to take care of people. And we were here to love people. What if that's the reputation that the church had? And what if, what if the church went one step further and it didn't just say, we're going to take care of you when you're in our pasture. But we said, we're going to take care of the sheep. We're going to take care of the people when they're the one who has wandered off. We live in a community called Monroe's, or this church body is located in a community called Monroe City. Although I've heard it said like five different ways. Monroe, Monroe, all sorts of different ways. That's beside the point. We live close to a community called Wheatlands. There's one called Petersburg down that way. Vincennes is that way. Washington is that way. We are surrounded by people who Jesus, now it makes people uncomfortable if we say, and I understand that, but who Jesus would say are his lost people. And he's telling us, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one. Doesn't wait for the one to come back. Doesn't wait for the one to find its way back into the pasture. It leaves to go find the one. What if instead of churches being known for places that are, that are judgmental, that are not as welcoming as they like to think they are, what if churches were known as places that go outside? Or that if they are inviting people in, they're making sure that those people who are being invited in are shown how much they're loved and cared for. And instead of looking at them and saying, hey, we love you as long as you do things my way, as long as you learn all the songs that I know, I love you. As long as you don't sit in my seat, I love you. As long as I don't have to cross the street, I love you. What if we were known for doing something to take care of people? And man, you want to put children in there instead of sheep, and it just opens up the whole thing when it says, feed my children. We can all think of organizations, and we can all think of children out there who need somebody to come alongside them. And not just to put food in their bellies, although that part is to start but to feed them the spiritual food that they don't even know that they're craving. What if that's what we started taking this word love to mean? Now, there is, there is definitely, and I thank God for it, a romantic side to the word love. But the word love is so much bigger 
than the songs that we sang earlier, or I sang earlier. And really, you know, the thing is, out of all of those songs that I sang, the first three or four are the ones that are typically going to be the ones you hear at a wedding, or they're going to be the ones that you hear when, a, when someone's telling somebody that they love them. But the one that I like the most, the one that I think captures Jesus' idea of what real love is, is the Adam Sandler song that came from the movie The Wedding Singer. I want to take care of you when your stomach hurts. I want to help you get to bed. I want to clean up the kid. I was playing that song last night, and Sarah goes, oh, you did that last week after the Super Bowl party. Really, I was trying to get over the depression of the Chiefs winning. But if she took it as me loving her, that's, that's bonus. But it was all about, I want to do for you. Not just tell you. I want to do for you. We've been talking in here a lot about restoration. And one of the areas that I keep bringing up is I believe that the church needs to be restored back to its purpose of reaching the communities that they live in. You know, I think it's important for us to send money overseas, for missionaries to do their work overseas, but we can't ignore the communities that we live in, that are right around us. We have a building that, that sits empty almost all week long. And so one of our dreams that we keep talking about as a staff is how can we use this building to reach the community's needs that we live in? You know, I hear churches talk about that all the time. But one of the things we're getting ready to do is sit down with some community leaders and actually look at them and say, what does the community need? Not just how can we serve you once or twice a year on Faith in Action Sunday, but how can we serve this community all year long? I heard, an, I think, an awesome idea uh, that a church did. I don't even know where this church is, but they took one of their rooms, and I keep having this dream of doing this, and we might do it, we might not, I don't know. But taking one of their classrooms, and they just painted it these bright, obnoxious primary colors that the people in the church absolutely hated. But the church did it so that they could go out in their community, and they could tell their community, hey, do you need a spot for your child to have a birthday party? Because if you do, we've got it. It's fun. The adults will hate it. The kids will love it. This is a spot for you. And you know, on top of that, we're not going to charge you. We want you to know that we are here for this community. So I want to invite you, as we continue to pray around this idea of restoration, I want to invite you this morning to specifically pray God, how do you want to use this local body? How do you want to use this shepherd to take care of your people? A lot of times you, you hear someone talk about this and it's kind of followed up with the, and you know one of the cool things is out of this, we'll probably grow. Maybe we will. Or maybe people will just know that Jesus loves them. And if not a single extra person sits in a seat out here out of us going out and loving them, then so be it. Because Jesus died on a cross and most of them took off. And he didn't sit there and go, why did I do it? That wasn't worth it. So we don't do it to grow our numbers. We don't do it to increase our tithe. 
We do it because Jesus would look at us and he would say, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then tend to my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. God, thank you for not asking anything out of us that you weren't willing to give yourself. So many times you get uncomfortable when we start thinking about what this might actually mean if we, uh, if we take your command seriously. It, it might mean that we're gonna be really uncomfortable. It might mean that, that this gathering time is it's no longer about me and, and my convenience. It might mean that, that I have to give up some of my wants and my desires because I need them to line up with yours. But God, I believe that you set that example for us and I believe it when you say that our desires, when we begin to follow you and truly give it to you, our desires will line up with yours. And this won't be something that we have to go into grudgingly. But I believe that you will give us joy. You will give us excitement. You will give us peace. And you will use us to show hope and to show love. So God, this morning as we, as we pray on this and as we sing one more song, Lord, I pray that you would show us what you would have us do as individuals, as families, and as a local church gathering. How we can take this word love and take it back from the world and use it in the way that, that you intended it to be used in the first place. Amen.